0: Hey Drew Dixon from Love Thine <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Drew Dixon from Love Thy Nerd. Back with you for another Bible Thump. And uh, we've been in First Peter, so why don't we why don't we stay there and keep going through First Peter? So I'm gonna read uh, this passage and last time I went through the first part of this passage and I'm gonna really try hard not to go back over that because there was a lot of like um, I don't know. I had to do a lot of unpacking of some common misconceptions about this passage and other passages like it in the Bible because there's a lot of assumption, um, I think in our day and age that like the Bible is super sexist and stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I don't want to just, this podcast, the goal of it is never to like, I don't want it to ever be to defend the Bible. The goal of this, um, This show, this segment on Love Thy Nerd Radio is is to encourage you and to challenge you and to give you some hope from a book that I believe is is ultimately hopeful. Does the Bible say some things that are going to trouble us and some things that we want to understand and some things that um, make us uncomfortable and some things that maybe don't jive with our understanding of the world now? Um, Yeah, it's going to do that. And we have to think through those things. But I think behind all that, too, I hope that you see that there's a message of hope. That um, that if we can get over the fact that the Bible doesn't meet up to our cultural expectations, then I think we'll, we'll find some goodness, some truth, some beauty that we can we can anchor ourselves to, that will give us some strength to face life in a difficult, weird world. Alright, so let's read this passage. It's about husbands and wives. Um, and again I'm just gonna focus on verse on verse seven, really. So, um know that. Know that if you wanna know my thoughts on verses one through through six, you can do that. You can go listen to last week's they're on YouTube, um, they're on they're on our website, like y- you can you can do that. So but I'm just gonna focus on verse seven. All right? All right, fair enough? Okay. <laughs> All right, all those disclaimers out of the way. This is this is 1 Peter 3. In the same way, wives, submitting yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over... Um, sorry, I said that wrong. Let me start over. In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way their wives live, when they observe your pure, reverent lives... Don't let your beauty consist of outward things, like elaborate hairstyles and wearing of gold jewelry, but rather what is inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For in the past, holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You have become her children when you do what is good, and do not fear any intimidation. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. Uh, as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Okay, so really we're going to focus on that last verse, verse 7. But I do, I said I wasn't going to do this, but I feel like I do need to do it a little bit. I need to give a little bit of context for what Peter just said. Um, he was not in any way saying that women um, must submit to their husbands in every in every way imaginable. Um, as followers of Jesus, where's our ultimate, ultimate... Um, allegiance. It's got to be to, to God, to Jesus. In fact, Peter establishes in this passage at the very end who men and women are in Christ. They're co-heirs of life. So that tells us our inherent value. And Peter's saying nothing about whether men and women um, or, or is, not, is not presenting women as lesser in any way or men as greater in any way, in, in any way, because what? They're both, they're both co-heirs of, of life. Um, so so remember that know that but also um his point in this passage is not about uh women blindly submitting to their husbands that's not the point the point nor, nor is the point about like not wearing low cut clothing um, his point about modesty is not flaunting your wealth Peter's trying to encourage he's talking to a specific church st- specific churches in pacif- specific situations and apparently there was some um some flaunting of wealth going on in the church. And I guess in in Peter's mind, um, you know, you can debate him if you want. He's not alive, but you can debate him, debate him if you want about whether he's correct by, you know, studying up on ancient first century Asia Minor uh, on whether he's correct. But apparently in some of these churches there were, there were women showing up and kind of showing off their fancy jewelry. And it was making poor people in the church feel ashamed, feel unwelcomed, feel like they're not really as welcome in the church as, as other people. Um, man, we do that all the time today, don't we? Like we, um, we can have a tendency to like brag about our fancy vacation or like, um, promotions or, uh, you know, like in, in the neighborhood I live in, like, I feel like I I constantly feel like I have less than other people. Um, not that they're like, I think my neighbors are cool. They're not bragging all the time or whatever, but, but the point is, is like, don't, The gospel should change how we interact with people. It should give us a a greater awareness of our neighbor and how the way we carry ourselves impacts them and makes them feel. Let's make sure we're making our churches feel like places that are welcome to everyone. Um, All right, so Peter's just encouraged women in this very specific way, in this very specific context, and now he gives some specific encouragement and challenge to men, to husbands, Um, husbands in particular, are not just men, really, particularly husbands. He's talking to husbands and wives in this church. So it's a very contextualized command. Uh, But he says husbands in the same way. So just as I've challenged women, I think is what he's saying, uh, are wives to live out the gospel in the context that they're in, uh, and women to live out the gospel in the context that they're in, I want to challenge men to do that too, and husbands in particular. So husbands in the same way. Live with your wives in an understanding way, as a weaker, par- as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. All right, so this is the part that we get real hung up on, is that weaker partner bit. Some passages say weaker vessel, um, and so there's been a lot of debate. What does that mean? Like, weaker in what way? So some people say weaker emotionally. Some people say weaker physically. Um, like, that's the plainest reading we can give of this word. Um, and the most common way that that would have been, been the most common way the word weaker was used to refer to weakness in a physical sense. So, um, like Peter is just acknowledging that women are f- are 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 physically, generally speaking, uh, not as physically strong as men. Um, obviously, obviously there are exceptions lo- and lots of them. But in a general sense, Peter is challenging men. Here's the challenge to men. Don't use your physical strength to put your wife in her place. <laughs> like that's a horrible thing. Don't ever do that. That's what he's saying. He's like, don't don't use that advantage that physical advantage you have to intimidate your wife, but instead live with your wife in an understanding way. He's challenging men, husbands, to live in harmony with their wives, to value their wives, to treat them as equal partners in what is an equal relationship uh, before God and before the church. So um, what's the lesson for everybody else? Because there's some of you that listen to this that are not married, right? And maybe don't even really want to get married, maybe don't have plans to. Uh, So wherever you're at, if you're not married, like this still applies to you because you have, there's ways in which um, you have advantages over other people. Um, Maybe you have a quick wit uh, (laughs) and you could use that quick wit to crack jokes that make people laugh, or you could use that quick wit to make people feel small, right? Like if you're quick on the ball with jokes, like, like you need to learn how to use that gift, uh, that, that skill in a responsible way, in a way that honors God, that honors people, that makes people feel loved and valued and cared for, rather than a way that makes them feel, feel small. Um, and whatever ways you have advantages over people, whether it's wealth, whether it's a status, whether it's popularity, um, there's some way in which we have advantages over people, um, but we're not to use them to put other people down. But rather to try to look for ways to use them to lift other people up. So I think Peter's just saying to men, like, most of you have a physical, like, strength that, that your wives don't possess. You need to know that and be really careful with it and be really, really responsible with it. And obviously, like, there's a long track record uh, in the history of, of human behavior of men doing that really poorly, right? um there has been a recent uh movement right the me too movement that demonstrates that really really profoundly because w- who is it that's predominantly um guilty of sexual uh abuse in our culture today and throughout human history it's men and it's because of this and so like if that doesn't illustrate the importance of what peter is saying here i don't know what what else does right Um, Peter, what Peter's saying here is very relevant to us. And I think it's easy to go like, um, and I think this this is true on some, there's probably a lot of you listening to this that have never been tempted in any way to like take your physical strength and use it as an advantage over a woman. Um, and that's good. And I, and I'm, I, am i am glad. Um, but don't think you're above this command. Um, But don't just think of it, I also, don't just think of it in terms of of that whole thing about strength. Um, Any way in which you have advantages over people, use it to bless others and lift them up rather than tear them down. All right. um, He says, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life. So, again, this is a a passage that says, remember the honor that you you both equally possess and, like, shepherd that, guard it, um, lift it up, like, Let's constantly be rem- reminding ourselves of the honor that is due the people around us simply by being human beings made in the image of God. Like, let's remind ourselves constantly of the value and the honor that everyone around us deserves. And if we'll treat each other with that kind of respect, um, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to point a lot of people to Jesus, won't we? I think so. Um, I think so, for sure. All right. So, he says, why should you do this? So that your prayers will not be hindered. Uh, so, what's the point there? Uh, well, I think Peter's raising the stakes on how important prayer is. Um, and in, and apparently there's some kind of connection between um, the way we treat other people, particularly the relationships most near and dear to us, like the relationship uh, wife and husband might have with one another, so just like the relationship two married people might have with one another, um, like that relationship, these close relationships and the way we operate within them, if we're like living uh, a grace-focused life, if we're living in a way that that's kind and sincere and loving towards other people, then like that impacts our prayer life in a good way. I think it hinders our prayer life if we don't. Like if we just disregard the feelings of other people, God's saying like, I'm not just going to be like, "Oh yeah, I hear your prayer and I'm going to give you exactly what you want." Um now he's not saying that like if if we if we operate honorably in all of our relationships that all of a sudden like God's going to start giving us all the things that we ask him for in prayer. Um obviously we need to pray in a way that's honoring to God and that considers his kingdom. Um but uh but yeah, um selfishness hinders our prayers because that's not God's agenda. That's not his kingdom Uh, Focus. That's not what he's bringing from heaven to earth. He's not bringing selfishness from heaven to earth. He's bringing selflessness from heaven to earth. He's not bringing uh, slander and envy and gossip from heaven to earth. No, he's bringing generosity and kindness and goodness and self control and. Um, a greater equity towards our neighbor, a greater understanding of one another, empathy, kindness. That's what he's bringing from heaven to earth. And so um, knowing that, uh, you know, we should, uh, our prayers are impacted by our attitude towards our neighbor. Knowing that should motivate us towards a greater, greater thoughtfulness and care and the, the way that we interact with the people around us, particularly those like super close to us, our children, our wives, our best friends, uh, our family, uh, our parents, all those kinds of relationships. Now, there's gonna be dysfunction and difficulty in all those relationships, and you can't control other people or make other people uh, better, but what you can do is, is live at peace. Um, what you can do is um, operate with grace and kindness in the way that you interact with those people. I hope this encourages you. I hope it helps you get a sense of what it means to um, live out your faith and um, live out the purpose for which for which God has given you. Um, I know it does me, even though it's sort of a weird passage. It does encourage me. I hope it encourages you too. Thanks for your time. I'll see you again next week.